I'm Gigi Johnson, and this is Amplify Music Conversations, where we captured the voices and music panels from the Amplify Music 2021 virtual conference. Over the course of the panels, you'll hear more than 100 panelists from a wide variety of cities and countries, each working in their local communities to recover from the challenges and changes of the pandemic. You'll hear about new community models, collaborations, and ways of organizing, each recovering and transforming their own music environment. Uh, my name is Emmanuel Legrand. I'm a, a journalist based in D.C. I cover the entertainment uh, industries and copyright issues. I edit a newsletter called the Creative Industries Newsletter. And that's a little, uh, if you want to receive that newsletter, just send me an email at legrandnetwork at gmail.com and I will add you to the mailing list. So that was my little uh, blurb for advertising. Um, we have a panel of three people today to talk about, uh, you know, what, uh, what worked in 2021 and what worked in 2020 that could work into 2021 and how our lives were changed by the pandemic. Um, the uh, discussion will be mostly centered on, you know, the, the, the I would say almost the time shift or, the, you know, the new dimension that we have been forced to live in uh, that almost look like a Netflix uh, series. Uh, but we have, at the moment we see, we, we're starting to see the end of uh, probably season one, and hopefully there will be no uh, season two. So um, I'm going to ask each uh, panelist to introduce itself and say a few words about how um, uh, 1920 and the pandemic changed the way uh, you work on a daily basis. And uh, among those things, what are the ones that you would like to see continue happening? So uh, shall we start with the the lady on the panel, um, Karine uh, Delage from Montreal, would you like to start? For sure, why not? Um, hey everyone, my name is Karine Delage. I'm from Canada. Um, I'm currently in Montreal. Um, I own a PR firm here called Charisma Agency. We work across North America in entertainment, sports, lifestyle. Um, and one thing that did change a lot for me from 2020 to 2021 and even prior to COVID, if I could say that, it's more so um, we're missing the whole live component, obviously. Um, even doing interviews have been like overly on Zoom and the Zoom fatigue from clients because of the Zoom. That's one thing that changed on, an, on a, not negative, but, you know, downfall. However... Uh, something that changed in a positive way is because we're all in front of our laptop, so it makes it easier for us to schedule interviews with someone in France or someone in the U.S. Versus prior to that, it was hard, um, harder to get like interviews on the go for artists that might not be as known in the States or European market, for example. So that is a big positivity uh, that came out of 2020. Thank you, Karen. So, well, next we have uh, from Colorado, Michael, Dr. Michael Simon. I, am I pronouncing your name well? Yes, yes. Uh, so, uh, what changed for you? you? You know, one day you were in a in a <coughs> in a in a place full of uh, students, and the next day they were gone. Right. Yes, that pretty much sums it up. Uh, I'm an assistant professor of arts management at Colorado State University, and 
Sure enough, uh, one day we had classes and the next day we did not. Uh, spring break became eternal. Uh, but for us, it worked out, I have to say, pretty well. Um, you know, I think we all knew Zoom existed, but I never engaged with it. Uh, and neither, you know, my students, you know, very rarely did we engage with Zoom or Skype, things like that. But we instantly became virtual and it worked out really well. Uh, I have students all over the country. I also have students that are in, on campus. And these, I have seminars for creative economy, uh, arts management, music management. And so they're, they're small, they're very concentrated, and it worked great over Zoom. And the best thing was, much like Karina, you know, I couldn't get anybody in the class as a guest lecturer. So I had people from D.C., Los Angeles, record companies, uh, people in federal government and policy that really were more than happy to come in and, and talk with my students. And it worked great. I received actually my highest um, student ratings ever uh, because it really was a... It was a great platform for which to have class and uh, connect uh, with students all over the country. So I'd say going into the future, I think definitely I'll be using some sort of a hybrid model that way to, to reach students and, and engage much better than in before. Thank you. And last but not least, from Los Angeles, uh, sunny California, we have Matthew Bradbury. Matthew, what is it that you do? As the Queen of England usually says when she meets someone, what is it that you do? <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, so yeah, um, I've, I uh, work for Tully. So I run the product and the engineering groups for Tully, which is a really it's a, a collaborative platform, file sharing, collaboration for creatives. Um, and with regards to what changed for us in 2020, So my, my background is building software, running engineering teams, um, uh, building products, devising products. So, so really, we were quite well equipped, or at least I was quite well equipped for the distributed model. So in terms of us suddenly all being on Zoom or Google Hangouts, not a lot really changed from my perspective uh, on that front. I think what really changed and what impacted us was the inability to get together as a group in a room to talk about product, to talk about features, uh, our inability to host live events and to get real-time feedback from users and from artists. Um, so all of, the, all of that kind of real-world collaboration was, was hugely impactful to us. And it, it was an interesting time. I think um, the isolation that each of our team members felt Um, there's only there's only so much time you can spend on Zoom and in Google Hangouts. So folks, I think definitely had um, you know um, it, it affected them uh, their their psychology their their ability to work. But in terms of what we did to change that, um, just more events, more online events, um, more collaborative tools, um, and really just trying to make sure that everyone felt. You know, we were on each other's side, um, whether that was kind of, you know, um, combined coding events or whether that was more demos. We just tried to be more inclusive and, uh, and yeah, just tried to up our communication a, a lot. And, and the positives from that for us, we launched a couple of products over 2020. And I definitely noticed the people were just more willing to collaborate and more willing to listen. Usually when you're launching a product, it's sometimes a bit of a struggle to get other people to, to see it, to hear about it. But yeah, just, just everyone was so receptive to it. 
Um, so yeah, we were able to roadshow it and demo the platform to to a lot of people. A lot of doors were open to us, just just because maybe they just had more time. But I think uh, there was a spirit of collaboration, um, you know, online collaboration in 2020 that I hope to see continue, and that was definitely a big positive for us. Thank you. Um, what is it I found very interesting over last year, and you know, like everyone, I was staying at home and zooming and. Actually, I had to download probably half a dozen different softwares because everybody was using a different software for communication, which also is an interesting factor. But the the, the thing that struck me the most was, and at some point I was doing a second newsletter on a weekly basis, was the impact that COVID had on the creative sector overall, visual arts, uh, you know, uh, theater, uh, music, and so on. And it's... The, the, that everything stopped, basically. Well, painters could continue to paint, but they could no longer exhibit. Uh, musicians could no longer play in front of audiences, and so on and so forth. Uh, books could not be sold and, unless they were online, and so on. Uh, there was, But at the same time, there was a lot of resilience, because suddenly songwriters starting, you know, having collaborative uh, experiences, like you just explained. Uh, live streams start kicking in, uh, big scale. And so on. So I think there was uh, some sort of resilience that uh, came out of the the necessity, actually, of doing something because doing nothing was not an option. Is that something that you agree on? Yeah, I totally agree with that. It was an interesting arc, 2020, because at first there's panic and then there's this disbelief, and and that definitely affects creativity. You know, for all of us. But um, certainly in, in my sector with musicians, um, it was it was pretty palpable. You could see people were just creating less or were finding themselves feeling less creatively inclined. But I, but I think as we kind of continued through it and the months became, you know, uh, a year. Uh, yeah, I think folks just realized we, we can't go on like this. We have to find a way to collaborate and be creative. And I do think those collaborations were key. Um, you know, if you're not feeling creative on your own, then you can reach out in your community and you can create with, with other folks. Uh, it seemed to us there was more collaborations in our uh, network of musicians and composers. And certainly requests on our platform kind of went through the roof. It was one of the most requested things, uh, you know, to open up, uh, basically to be able to publish your own work in progress and to be able to collaborate with other people and make kind of community connections. So we got a lot of feedback from users on that. But but yeah, it was just really nice to see that that you use the word resilience. It was really nice to see people kind of building up a you know a callus, if you will, to to what was happening around them uh, and and being able to kind of you know find a way through it, be it through collaboration or just changing the way they work. Carrie, did you notice also changes in your in the behavior of your clients and and you know the reaction, you know, first the first few weeks, what are we going to do? And then try and, and be creative. It really was a whole creative movement, even more so than before. Because, of course, I work with artists, but people in the fashion world and people were trying to make changes um, with everything happening in the news, especially one of my clients, uh, George Sully, on a fashion standpoint, uh, with the whole Black Lives Matter, uh, created the Black Designer of Canada Index. Um, he's been having issues in the fashion industry throughout his life um, 
you know, building just because of his color of his skin, right? So by building that website, he was able to put his name even more so out there um, and create a movement, basically. Um, that got even more coverage so in Canada and the U.S. So I think that all the inclusion, all the messaging, the creativity from that standpoint, but even for artists per se, just had to be even more creative. Another of my clients, what we did is we created an e-tour. Simple. He has his own studio. He has a new song. But we needed to call it a different way than just he's releasing a new single. So I created like the e-tour. So basically, he was able to perform his song to a bunch of morning shows in the U.S., Canada, obviously, because he's from Canada. So I think it goes back to what Matthew is saying, and even you, Emmanuel, it's just a matter of how people had to be more creative in what they're doing. And I think that this is going to be something that hopefully stays in collaboration between countries um, on a music standpoint, because there's artists from here that were doing the platform more collaboration with on its own um, on a creative standpoint. Um, Michael, from a, a structural perspective, did you see uh, uh, major changes? You know, in, in, uh, in our discussion, you were mentioning the, the creation of uh, Neva, for example, for the, the, the independent live music sector in the US, which is something that has never existed over the ages, but because by necessity, they had to join forces in order to get their voices heard suddenly you have a very strong organization, very well structured, that represents independent music venues. Yeah, I, you know, I like to, I do a lot of talks concerning the creative economy and COVID and such, and I, and I always like to say that it's really, um, uh, it's like that scene in The Wizard of Oz when the curtains pull back and all of a sudden, for better or worse, you see who's running Oz and how rickety <laughs> the whole situation is. Uh, COVID really did that for the music industry. And one of those uh, uh, things that we have now illuminated is how venues are very precarious. Uh, if you own a venue, it's never an easy road ahead. Uh, and now we see uh, basically once you take them all away, what happens? Uh, so it's great to see Neva come together so quickly. And my now, my new research agenda going into the next year or so uh, is just really the value of the independent music venue. And I'm working with Neva to help them kind of quantify that, but also qualitatively look, you know, venues, sure, they're great places for live performance and such, but they also offer communities so much more. Uh, they're incubators for entrepreneurship. They spawn social cohesion. Uh, you know, I've met people that have uh, been married in venues. Uh, oftentimes, where do you usually go if you have to have a fundraiser? Oftentimes, it's the all-day concert at a venue. Uh, so they're really, really important. And Neva uh, is a fantastic thing that arose from all of this because you finally have a, basically a singular voice for something that's incredibly powerful in the music industry. Any other trends that you've seen that, you know, the structural trends that might uh, continue and roll over in 21, 22 uh, in the in the arts and in creative sectors. Yeah, I, you know, I, I tell my students all the time. You know, you have to leverage your asset across multiple revenue streams. Uh, and one great thing is the the streaming of live shows. Uh, it is in no way an economic equal to actually having live shows. But I think what you'll see going forward, much like in the classroom, 
we know how to stream now. Uh, so you'll see these value ads. You'll have a special um, maybe after show live stream event for your album release now that you can actually uh, maybe sell uh, a, a chance to have your favorite song played by your artist with 30 other people. That, that really didn't exist before. And on the other side, there's a lot of people, you know, in the United States about, uh, oh gosh, maybe 30, 40% are baby boomers. Uh, they're aging into the point where they don't really want to go out to see live shows anymore. Uh, a lot of them may choose a streaming option for that show. Uh, so that is just another way to get a, an additional revenue stream for the artist, which is, as we know, uh, facing challenges during the streaming era. Um, the, the, do you see on the creative side, the, the, the people working from home uh, kind of thing and, and collaboration from home continue or people will be very happy to go back to the studio with other musicians or, you know, have those collaborative efforts, but, in, you know, physically rather than virtually. Uh, Matthew? I think a lot of it will remain virtual. Uh, I, I, th I mean, look, generally what happens when things change for businesses or for people They don't go back. Um, you know, the, you change your habits and, and that's kind of it. Um, so, of course, when things open up, people will be relieved to be able to, to get in a room and collaborate together. And that will always happen. But I, it's been an interesting thing what's happened with musicians and composers. It's like they've been, uh, they've been made aware of tools and workflows and processes that have existed with software engineering and distributed teams for decades. And, and suddenly composers realize that they can work in real time, uh, you know, online and with these collaborative tools. So I, I, don't, I don't think we'll go fully back to the old school world of you having an engineer and a producer in a studio and, the, you know, everyone needs to be in the room together to, to, uh, to produce the song. I think, frankly, that was changing anyway. You know, you you look at uh, you look at the the top ten charts, or and you look at who's composed that and who's been involved. It, you're talking about often ten to twenty writers on one song, and this collaborative thing has happened already. It's already a distributed team. It's just, I think, it's just exponentially. It's kind of exploded during 2020. Um, you know, because of the pandemic. I think going back to revenue streams, what, what is very interesting there, may, maybe 2020 will be the kind of proverbial straw that broke the camel's back because they're, they're now, it, there can't be any doubt now that the streaming model is completely broken for artists. Um, the live music industry was really propping everyone up. And what had happened is you're losing money with record sales but you're charging more for ticket prices for, for live events. And so people could kind of get some kind of parity. It was, it was nowhere near the same, but they could at least make a living. And obviously with the bottom falling of that out of that in 2020, and honestly, I don't really see the end of that anytime soon. I don't think live venues are going to open up as they were in, you know, 2018, 2019, anytime soon. I think that there's a, there's a groundswell movement happening against the big uh, DSPs uh, with, with the kind of money they're taking and the kind of deal that they're offering to, to creatives. You know, you're seeing a bill being debated in the House of Commons in the UK. It's, it's a matter of time before that kind of, uh, that kind of attention happens over here in the US. 
Um, you know, even Apple are making noises about how they're going to make more steps to be more equitable to, to composers and, and artists. So I think that's going to be a huge positive coming out of 2020. Um, not just artists having had to find other revenue streams, whether that's merchandising or online streaming, but, you know, maybe the, this this kind of protest and kind of quiet complaint that the, the musician community has had about the streaming uh, situation, maybe that now will turn into actual positive action. Karin, do you yeah. have views on that? Yes, um, I think like even on a PR standpoint, to be honest, and marketing side too, um, it's going to be for us even better because you could merge like the live component, but you can have a bigger audience for your client. Um, and with live stream of the event you're doing for a launch of a product or a launch of like, you know, a new album, a new song, whatever the case is. So I think that Obviously, live is not going to go away. We're all cringing and we want to get outside and, you know, be with people. However, I think that what 2020 brought to us that's going to keep continuing is the opportunity to do more and expand more for our client. That's like on a PR standpoint and even get coverage that would, you would have never got before. So, uh, One thing that has uh, also gained a lot of traction in uh in uh, 2020, and I don't know if it's a byproduct of COVID or it's just uh, circumstances, is the the uh, increased attention on, you know, and you mentioned that the Black Lives Matters and all the movement around that and how uh, the music industry uh, has become much more introspective into, you know, the deals it made with uh, African-Americans, you know, in the, the 40s, the 50s and the 60s, the way... Uh, the, the diversity within the companies and so on. Uh, do you think that's a, that trend, you know, the train has left the station and there's no way to bring it back and, and things will happen because of uh, what's started in 2020? I personally think that, especially with the judgment from yesterday, um, I strongly believe that diversity inclusion is going to be a strong message, even more so going forward. Um, in every sphere, not just music, but you know, it's so important to include everyone because everyone has a different type of culture, no matter who you are, where you're from. So I think that more so people now are realizing how it's important to include everyone and people's opinion and not just be centered to your own opinion. So I don't think this is going to go away. I think it's just going to progress and make it even better in the industry and make something going forwards that can merge more music together and it, it's the beauty of the industry to be honest michael any thoughts on that yeah i, I totally agree with kareen uh just from my perspective uh the students i have are incredibly engaged with all communities and i'm most excited i mean the, the industry has been a train wreck in diversity and inclusion for decades uh but we students i see now they're they're creating the new companies and they are incredibly focused on inclusion and I'm very excited to see what comes out in the future. Mm -hmm. uh, Matthew, any thoughts on that? Yeah, just to echo that, um, it's 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 long overdue looking at some of these horrendous deals that artists had, um, you know, and and quite frankly, the 360 deals that artists are still lured into now. 
Um, it's 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 still pretty horrendous. It's just uh, it's not quite as horrendous as it was, you know, at the turn of the of the twentieth century. So, look, the spotlight has been lit on this subject, and uh, and really, it's it's about people power at this point. It's about volumes of uh, of uh, the community really truly understanding what these deals look like. And and honestly, in 2020, that's that's something we saw so much of. How, so many apps and so many platforms coming out that sought to educate artists uh, about the pitfalls of the industry, give them the tools to not have to rely on these these 360 record deals. I mean, in fact, that's a lot of what Tully does to just try and to try and illustrate that you don't really need this uh, this this uh, army of lawyers and accountants and and licensing and publishing experts to to do your thing. You know, you can you can write a song now and just distribute it yourself. You don't need this mechanism. So, hopefully the veil has been lifted a little bit and we've we've shined a spotlight on it. Um and, and hopefully that movement continues. Okay, well, you know, uh, it's it's a situation that's even so. Mick Jagger, uh, you know, recording a song with Dave Grohl, and 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 being almost punkish, so it it has probably also triggered some more creativity from a lot of people. Um, we have a few minutes left. I'd like I'd like to ask you um, how you see twenty uh, twenty twenty one and twenty twenty two shaping up for the for the creative sector as we are gradually going to come out of uh of the the covid situation uh how do you see the the world shipping up the world of creativity shipping up let's start with karine on my side i think it's going to be slowly but surely coming back to hopefully um it won't i mean no it won't be pre covid vibe that there's no way not for another year or two um, I think that hopefully live is live music, live performance, live fashion show are going to be coming back on a little bit more. Um, this being said, there's always going to be the live uh, live stream component, and hopefully by the mid 2022, things can kind of be back to normal with concert. Uh, that's my wish. At hopefully it's earlier, but we'll see. Uh, but yeah, I think that creativity wise, um, one of my wish is that people keep like working together across platform and help each other. And I think like even the app like Clubhouse is a great example of that, that people are reaching out to each other to collaborate more and more. So hopefully that stays that way, though. <laughs> Thank you, Michael. Uh, I, I totally am on the same page with Kareen. Uh, I think by 2022, you'll start to see the beginning of a roaring 2020s. Uh, and also, I think it's going to be interdisciplinary. Uh, I think things that were going collaboratively in the creative economy before and with filmmakers, artists, writers, uh, musicians, I think you'll see that X, X amount uh, going forward because of all the, the platforms to collaborate on and what we've all been working on. Thank you. And Matthew? Yeah, I, I mean, I can, I can see the live scene coming back in 2022. I, I think it will be changed for, for perhaps a couple of years beyond that. Um, it would be nice to think of this roaring 20s scene that we're going to have, but I, I think it might be a, a little slower to come back. I, I think one of the things we might see is people, you know, at the high end, I think live music can come back and it can be um, 
you know, it can be it can be financially um, uh, meaningful for the you know for the bigger artists with you know smaller audiences. You just pile in the VIP packages and 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 the, you know the upsell for the higher price tickets. Uh, it will be interesting to see what actually happens amongst the, the clubs and the lower level of artists returning to the live music. How many clubs are even going to be open uh, when we return? Um, you know, we've we've seen a raft of them shut all across the country, uh, all across the world. So uh, it, it will be interesting. I think that what will be nice to continue is this sense of collaboration for everyone to feel like they can get their music out and distribute it. It feels like we've now eased that that like there's no complication now anyone who's created a song can get that out and distribute it so i'd like to see that continue for sure okay i think we have to wrap but i'm going to ask you if you can go to a concert tomorrow which act do you want to see karine um i i want to see some independent artists coming together and putting a really live dope concert and get to know more talent okay michael Uh, trash talk, <laughs> Matthew. Uh, it would just be a local bar band. I'd, I'd just like the Troubadour in Los Angeles to open back up, and I'd go and see anything. Yeah, same here. I'd, I'd go to any club in DC. Uh, Gigi, over back over to you. Uh, it's been a very interesting discussion. I want to do thank you know Karin from Montreal, Michael from Colorado, and uh, Matthew from Los Angeles. Thank you very much. Well, thanks for listening to Amplify Music Conversations. We hope you enjoyed this discussion and come back to listen to our other podcast episodes, either following us in your favorite podcast player or at amplifymusic.org or even on YouTube. And you can find a way to sign up for our email list and join our various groups on Facebook and on LinkedIn. We'd like to thank the Institute of International Business at the University of Colorado, Denver, who sponsors this podcast series, as well as the conference sponsors, Mia, UCLA Herb Alpert School of Music, the Creative Arkansas Community Hub and Exchange, Ben Zugel, Tully, and Lyric Find. We've had great support putting this conference together this year, and we look forward to continuing these conversations with you through this podcast. Thanks for listening. You have found one of our adventures now in the Marimel Podcast Network. You can find our shows everywhere that you listen to podcasts. We've got Amplify Music Conversations from the Amplify Music Conferences during the pandemic, Creative Innovators, and now Innovating Music. If you're interested in following up with us in any of these shows, please reach out on our websites, and you can find those in the show notes.